0: Everybody, it's your boy Chaz C No Roper. I am the director of the Amplifier Program here at 889 Radio Milwaukee. And I have my good brother all the way from Las Vegas, but he's really a Milwaukee native. He's born right here in the city of Milwaukee. My good brother Will Rontry, I'll call him the credit and funding guru. How you doing, my brother?
1: Man, I'm blessed, man. Thank you for having me. Um, it feels good to be back in the snow. <laughs> literally sarcasm snow, right sarcasm. <laughs> man listen out of all the days of the week man that snow I'm
0: small, that snow so heavy man My pl- the snow plow was having a problem moving that joint
1: and my blood is thinned out Chad so yeah. I this yeah I'm cold
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying man listen we appreciate you still making it I'm glad I'm glad you flew in early because yes. you might not have made I it so, so that was a blessing man and I want to shout out the audience as well as people rolling on in um braving the weather. I want to shout y'all out too, man, because y'all could have been anywhere comfortable in your own home, but you showed up anyway, so I appreciate y'all. And I also want to shout out B Mo Harris. B is an out. What we want to do is we want to talk about your journey, right? Just just dig into your journey right fast, man. We really want to dig into it and see where you came from. Talk to us about young Will Rountree, the the 879-year-old Will Rountree, man. Talk to us about Will Rountree, man.
1: Man, so um like Chad mentioned, I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and growing up in Milwaukee, we didn't have the the, the 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 moguls. We didn't have, you know, the hoop stars and all of that, at least when I was growing up that we looked up to. And so, uh, you know, growing up as a young kid, going into teenage years, I was told by the age 21, I'd be dead or in jail. Right. So I really didn't have a lot of choices. But one thing my parents did their best to do was to try to shield me from everything that was going on. I was actually pretty green going into like middle school and high school. Grew up on 47th in Hampton. Uh, went to uh, for my middle school years. I went to Burroughs, John Burroughs Middle School. Uh, my freshman year, I went to Vincent High School. Then after that, my parents sh- shipped me to Mississippi.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I always say shipped because I felt like I just <laughs> got shipped out there, man. You're <laughs> right, right. And so uh, moved to Mississippi. And I lived on 120 acres of farmland. It was three houses, my grandparents, my uncle, and my aunt. And while I was out there as a teenager, from my uh, sophomore year to my senior year, I mean, I'm out there, I'm uh, chopping wood, I'm shucking corn, I'm uh, picking butter. Like I was doing all that stuff, but I always say that's where I developed my work ethic. And so I often say that that was probably one of the best things that could have happened to me. And so, uh, but just like everybody else, you know, always had aspirations. But one of the things that do stick out, Chad, from what of me remembering from my time as a child, I think I always was an entrepreneur. Right. You know, in middle school, I was my my mom's would go to like Sam's Club and buy bottles, uh, uh, like packets of candy and Snickers. And I would go to school and sell them. Wow. You know what I'm saying? At 11, I was a golf caddy. You know, I remember going out there, being a golf caddy, you out there for four or five hours for a whole round of golf, and I was making $11, $13 for five hours of carrying golf clubs. I mean, right. my first job, uh, my freshman year, I worked at George Webb's in Menominee Falls. So so my work ethic started at a very, very young age, man. And that's key, man. Um,
0: one thing I, I like to focus on our community, because I can speak for me because I grew up in it, um, is sometimes we can make excuses for things that we don't have right. instead of uh, making efforts for things that we can have. And I think it's extremely important that we begin to turn our, our thought process into making efforts instead of making excuses. Correct. I think that's extremely important. So once you get, once you get out of high school, um, talk to us about
1: coming from high school into manhood. What, what was that process like for you? I was lost. You know, I, I think like if anyone else, you know, when, one of the things that I've learned just on this journey uh, coming when I was coming out of high school, when you graduate out of high school, you think, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. And I remember right at graduation, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I actually thought about joining the military. I, uh, that didn't work out. Um, I Thought I was gonna go to college, so the day of my graduation, I actually moved back to Milwaukee. You know, it was May 25th, 1997, Uh, and you know, didn't know what I wanted to do for college. And I actually ended up enrolling at MATC Mm -hmm. to go for computer programming. And I can remember going to school. I was actually taking just some basic classes. Uh, Was in my economics class, and I remember being in my economics class one time, and the economics teacher was giving us a lesson on money. And I remember he started talking about his failures and how he's filed bankruptcy. And he he basically was, like, venting to the class. And he told us he didn't know what to do with his life. And so I'm sitting back, and I'm, like, scratching my head. And normally I'm not a vocal person in class. Right. And I remember raising my hand. I was like, so you can't teach us to be wealthy? He said, no. And I, I actually dropped out of school that day. Never mm-hmm. went back to school. Because one of the things that I started to learn is that you know, this whole American dream—it's really about money. Absolutely. Like they sell us a, a, a fallacy of of a of, of a mirage, but it, it really boils down to money. And so when I've when I learned at that time that he couldn't teach me what I was aspiring to, because again, I had that itch in me as a child because I was selling candy. Right. I was, you know, helping my grandfather uh, when I was living in Mississippi and doing odd and end jobs for him. So. I knew I always wanted to make money because I, I can remember seeing my parents struggle. Right. You know, I often tell people, Chad, we used to play a game called Beat It to the Bank. You ever played that game? Not at all. You didn't? Uh-huh. Okay. So the game Beat It to the Bank is when you get paid mm-hmm. and you hope that the bills come out and take the uh-huh. money before. <laughs> the bank, so, yeah. I yeah and, and so growing up, I didn't want to be in that position. Right, And so I always knew that the only cure for that is money. But here's one of the things that I've learned on my journey, and I'll bring it back. We've made being poor a novelty. Absolutely. Like, we made it like, and we come up with these sayings to be poor. And I started telling people that we think poor has to do with economics. No, poor is an acronym that stands for passing over opportunities repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And so we continue to put ourselves in these situations and a lot of it is because we don't have the information. Right. You know what I'm saying? And right. so I I, I and, and it's almost like you're demonized for wanting to make money these days. Mhm. Even though we'll brag about our, fam- our our favorite entertainers, we'll brag about movie stars and all of this stuff. But when it comes time to like, oh well, Chad think he all that, Will think he all that, and so no, I didn't want to be poor growing up, man. Right. And so from there, and, and and after you know, I quit school. I didn't know what I wanted to do at the time. I just knew that I didn't want that plan, exactly. you know. And I knew back then early like student loan debt. So it was just like a. I often tell people, we we, we always think that things happen to us. But no, things actually happen for us. And I can remember knowing like every time that I I hit a brick wall, it was because it was preventing me from getting into something that I wasn't supposed to get involved in. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing I think a lot of people don't look at. Like even like just the adversities that I've always been through – I've always said, okay, what can I learn from this situation? Right. I never like, why me? And I think once people kind of shift that way of thinking, they whole life will change. That's a fact. You know what I'm saying? And so that, that, those are some of just the many lessons that I learned, you know, early, you know, gra- you know, graduating high school, becoming a young man and becoming an adult. And give me that poor acronym again. Passing over opportunities repeatedly. Passing over opportunities repeatedly. We do
0: a lot of that. We do a lot of passing over opportunities a um, bunch of times. So I'm glad you pointed that out. So now you're moving forward in manhood. And I, I remember in your story, you became homeless. Yeah. Talk to us about that.
1: So, um, so after, you know, I, out in Milwaukee trying to find my way. Well, let me back up a little bit. So I remember in 1997, I started working at this company. Uh, actually, it was out here. The Coles Distribution Company. I used to work out here. Now I'm 19 years old, making $25 an hour. Chad, you couldn't tell me nothing. know you, you was filthy rich Bro, in your mind. You couldn't tell me nothing, man. <laughs> but I blew all the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah for I sure. had no financial discipline. <laughs> right. And so I can remember working there. I was there like seven, eight years, and then eventually the company shut down. And so didn't know what I wanted to do. I had dropped out of college. Really had no real skills. And I remember, you know, taking odd-end jobs. I remember I worked at Tombstone Pizza, you know, I'm stuffing frozen pizzas, <laughs> you know, working mm-hmm. third shift. And I actually end up having to move back in with my parents. Mm-hmm. I was 24 years old. And I remember I was just at a low point in my life mentally when I'm carrying a big screen TV into my mom's house and I'm about to be in the basement. So I'm like, man, I don't want to date Like, I can't bring nobody to my house. Your mama house, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, but, you know, going back to that statement, things don't happen to you, they happen for you. All those things is really what was preparing me to be where I'm at today. Absolutely. And so after that company shut down, I actually ended up getting involved into uh, network marketing Mm -hmm. uh, out here. And I was enrolled in a company and the thing that I took away from that network marketing, which a lot of people may not know, is uh, MLM. I was out, you know, doing direct sales, but it taught me personal development. That's really what changed my life. Got you. You know what I'm saying? And I tell people, if I was still at Kohl's, I would. I was focusing on a retirement. Mm-hmm. And as we see what's going on in the economy now, ain't no such thing as a pension at all. You know? And so yeah. all of those things, and 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 I didn't look at that as like. Man, why me? It was just like, okay, it gotta be something better after this. So every time a door closed in my face, I'm like, okay, it gotta be something better. Right. So I just gotta keep moving. But that's where people get stuck. Something happens and they, they, they just stop. And that's when I started to learn that. That's because we operate too much in emotions. It's a fact. And once we can uh, eliminate that, and I was talking with my team about that last night, because they're like, well, how do you operate in a place where you don't let things bother you? Because I said, because anything that happens to me, Chad, is temporary. If you stub your toe, how long does that pain feel? Momentarily. It's it's instant. Right. But we, we, we dramatize the feeling of it, and that's the exact same way how we do our lives. Right. And so... I I I I warrant and I look for things that I'm like, okay, why did this happen for me? Mm-hmm. And then I I find the lesson and and I and I tell people I failed 70, 80% of the time. People are always saying, like, man, like, what did you do to become successful? I failed a lot. Because I find the things that I was supposed to learn. And a lot of the times you fail in something, which I call it an experience, because that's something you ain't supposed to be doing anyway. Right.
0: Or you're supposed to be doing it at a higher level. You well, just gotta keep at taking your lumps until you can get to that. You have to build man. that, build that, that, that uh, the strength up to get there. So I agree hundred percent with Definitely. that, man. And that, and that's, and that goes with in any field. I, that's the same way in the music field. I'm talking about, man. I done did so much free work. It didn't make no sense. But then when it was actually, and I, and I considered it as practice. Hundred percent. So when it was, when it was fourth quarter, time to make that shot before the buzzer in the studio, so to speak. I was able you had to produce the muscle memory. I had the muscle memory from yeah. doing it over and over and over and over again. So when I when I was in the studio with local artists, but then I got into the studio with the big shots, I was ready to play ball because I've had that practice I and that muscle know. memory. So I, I agree a hundred percent with you on that. So now that we 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 kinda we've taken our lumps, what brought us to Will Roundtree, who we are today?
1: So I can remember there, there's been several journeys. And so I remember going back to 2003, when I was in one of these network marketing meetings, I remember I was sitting in the front stage and I'm sitting there, I got my arms crossed, I got on some baggy jeans, cause you know we wore baggy yeah, jeans super big, triple, super, triple, triple. triple the yeah. size, yeah. Had sure. some Tim's, a <laughs> long t-shirt. And I can remember the gentleman in the front was like, hey, you may want to take some notes. And I was like, no, I'm straight. And then he stopped what he was doing and he singled me out. He was like, you know, being cool going to keep you broke. Mm. And that stuck with me because I I was always straight. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't because he's up there teaching me about how to make money. And I'm there and my account was in negatives. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like my my car was overheating driving there. And so I was like, man, I got to do something different with my life. And a lot of the times, you know, I, I think we tell ourselves we're fine because we've normalized pain. Right. And people often say that they're straight because it's a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. Like, the average person is dealing with a lot of trauma. Agreed. And the, you can't, and the brain can't depict a feeling or pain, or they, can't, they don't know what negativity is. We've told ourselves that something is negative. And with that being said, that's why we can't differentiate pain. There's a pain for discipline, and then there's a pain for, like, the regret. And I, I, I remember being in that front row, and I was like, man, I, can no, I don't want to keep going down this path. Mm-hmm. I'm 24, 20, going on 25. I'm living in my mom's basement. So I was like, I have to do something different. And when I started to learn, we always say the definition of success is doing the same thing over and over, expecting change. But then we also, I started to learn what the definition of insane means. That's someone who can't think logically. Right. We think somebody who's insane is somebody who's like banging their head on the wall. No, if you don't think logically, you're an insane person. Right. And at that time, I wasn't thinking logically because I'm like, why would I not listen to somebody that has what I want? Right. So I had to start being a, 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 a student of life. And we we've we've developed this like defense mechanism where we think everybody always trying to get over on us. And so I, but I know that that's our trauma. Mm-hmm. And so. Develop into who I became, I remember I just started seeking out mentorship. And so as I'm studying, I started to learn what is the definition of a mentor and, or what is the purpose of a mentor? And a mentor really has four uh, things that they're, gonna, that they're supposed to teach you. They're going to educate you. They're going to you know, hold you accountable, help you to mitigate your mistakes, and to teach you personal development. And it's up to me to do the work to get to the actual end result of that goal. Mm -hmm. And so I sought out mentors, and I started reading books and started doing all of these things to really change the way I started to think. And so I remember I started, you know, having a little bit of success in that network marketing uh, organization. And my mentor came to me at the time and said, Will, do you want to move to Las Vegas? Because we're building a team. And, you know, so at the time, single, no kids. I'm like, absolutely. But I didn't have any money. And so he actually loaned me 500 bucks. He was like, look, I'm not going to finance your lifestyle. It's Las Vegas. <laughs> but right. I give you $500. You got to figure it out yourself. Are you up to accepting that challenge? So can you imagine someone who had to completely uproot all, everything that they knew here in Milwaukee? I was comfortable living in mom's basement. Oh, I wasn't comfortable, but I was comfortable yeah, yeah, yeah. because that wasn't my rock bottom yet. Right. And I say that. Because a lot of the times people won't get to that next level because they won't let their rock bottom happen. Mm-hmm. You have to get to a point to where you get, the uncomfortability is what changes you. Right. And rock bottom is different for everybody. So because I was still able to sleep on my mom's you know, their, their couch in the basement, that wasn't rock bottom for me yet. Mm-hmm. And so when I moved to Las Vegas, I found out what rock bottom was. <laughs> $500 right. doesn't go far. And so I was, you know, so moved to Las Vegas 2005, was renting a room from someone who was a part of the organization. That didn't go well. And next thing you know, I'm finding myself, you know, literally sleeping in my car. Mm. But the thing and the irony of all of that, Chad, I never felt poor. Mm. And I didn't because I knew the opportunities that were ahead. I just had to keep going. Mm. And so I continued to practice on t- being a better person right, and that's really often tell people that's what separated me and this is like a 20-year journey for me this just didn't happen overnight so it, it so it wasn't it, it wasn't the x's and o's that got me here right that's what I often like to tell people and I, I think that makes sense because a lot of times we are we are
0: fooled by especially in today's society by the x's and o's We're we're fooled by that because we spend time seeing other people's highlights and not their real life. So I think that's ex- an extremely po- uh, important point to make because especially a younger gener- the younger generation behind our children Definitely. and their friends, they think that uh, what they see is what they get more well, realistically. when it's, When it's truly a success, it took time to get there. They like to say, uh, success doesn't happen overnight, or this happened overnight. Right. If that happened overnight, it was a long night. You know what I'm saying? So now you Can start working to
1: that point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting you say that because I often tell people life is a, is a, is all marketing. When you're dating somebody, what are you doing to yeah, that you person? Mar- yep. You marketing them. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so, but and, and once I started to learn these things called concepts. That's really what, cha- those are, these are all of the things that changed my life. When, when So you start to learn like, yo, everything is marketing. Mm-hmm. Fellas, we get, we put on our flyest outfit because we're marketing to somebody. Yep. Women, you put on your flyest outfit, get your sh- hair done because you're marketing. And so when we get caught up in the trappings of marketing because a person isn't going to show you when they losing. That's a fact. You know what
0: I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that's the point they
1: should show you because that's the
0: point where everybody can learn the most.
1: And that's why I talk about my struggles more than anything. Right. That's why I wrote the book Full Time CEO. I talk about the things that the unglamorized side of things. I tell people I fail. I tell people I've been homeless. I tell people I've been sued. I tell like anything, everything that you can think about negatively that's happened to an entrepreneur, it's happened to me. I mm-hmm. tell people I can't spell. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I want people to know I'm human, right? And you don't have to be smart to be successful, right? But once you understand that the definition of success is an accomplishment of an aim or purpose has nothing to do with money. Facts. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if I get if I say, "Hey, I'm going to read a page of uh, a day out of a book," you're successful because you accomplish an aim. And so once you start learning these different concepts in life, you 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 remove the pressures. Of, of, of trying to fit into the marketing that everybody else is doing in life. Right. That makes sense. So now
0: let's get into it, man. What? How did you learn about uh, the credit game? What, what, what made you get into that area? What made you even think about that, pro-
1: even th- discover that process? So I can remember before I moved to Vegas, one of my mentors I had met at the time, he said, well, eventually credit will become the new dollar. He told me this in 2003. I didn't even know what he meant by that. And of course, you know, I moved to Vegas, I quickly found out. Couldn't rent an apartment without putting down three times the deposit. Couldn't buy a car without a co-signer, like all these different things. And I never wanted to call my parents and ask them for anything. So I just, you know, as they say, we thugged it out. Right. And so, um and so as I'm continually going through these cycles of financial disappointment, I said I got to do something different. And so I started I said, you know what, it got to be something to this credit thing that he told me about. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the times I went to the car dealership and I got denied for like the 15th time. I was like, can I get a copy of my credit report? So he gave it to me, and it was like a 400-something credit score. And I didn't know what that meant. I'm like, okay, is that good? Is it bad? And I just remember going on there saying, like, I had a judgment because I had the vehicle I had here in Milwaukee. I, it got repossessed. I had loans with, like, all the payday loans. Like, anything mm-hmm. negative, I had it. And so I started to research more and more about credit and then I remember uh, started learning more about people like Robert Kiyosaki who talked about leveraging other people's money, but you can't leverage other people's money without having good credit. Mm -hmm. And so I remember just going on this quest and back then there wasn't like YouTube, like none of that stuff really existed or it wasn't as popular. And so I would go to the library and just read on books on, like, consumer law and, 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 and what credit is. And I remember I started doing things to actually start working on my credit. It took me, like, two and a half years. I actually posted videos of my old credit report on my social media not too long ago, and it blew people mind because they assume, that, you know, people who got good credit, you born like that. No, right. like, you, you have to develop into that. Work for it, yeah. You got to work for it. And so as I started to learn more about, about credit, then I started to learn the importance of it. Then I started to learn the power of it. And I actually have a theory why they don't teach our communities especially about credit. Because think about like this. Once I started to learn the power of credit, because we've been conditioned to look at credit solely from a consumer standpoint. Absolutely. And so. They want you to go out and buy, overspend yeah, on a the house. Yeah, they want yeah. you to overspend on that car, car you can't afford. Yeah, they want you to buy clothes with your credit cards right. because they know that they use their credit to to, to buy real estate. Yeah. They use their credit to buy buildings and hotels. And so in order for them to get a, 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 an advantage against certain communities, no, they, they they give you, no, this is what you use credit for. So there's been such a misconception of what credit and what money, and we've made these terms that money is evil and like all of this stuff, but it's, it's, it's because of the lack of information about it. Right. And so once I started to learn that it was really a power and credit, like when you have great credit, that is your power ball number. And I, and that's why I talk so much about why you have to change your mindset in understanding economics. We don't understand economics. Agreed. It's not about just knowing, you know. Okay, I, wor- I work and I make X amount of dollars. No, we don't overstand economics, and credit is a part of economics. And once I, st- once you start to learn that, you debt is what makes people rich. Facts. <laughs> that's a fact. It- debt is what makes people rich.
0: Perfect example is the government right now,
1: the debt ceiling. It continues to increase by. That's by default. By default, right? They tell us to be worried. Right. They're, but they're not. They keep raising it. They keep raising it yep. because that's how you make money. I heard and, I
0: heard a statement. Uh, if I borrow a million dollars, I'm in trouble. If I borrow $500 million, we're in trouble, meaning me and whoever loaned me the $500 million. Yeah. So the people that I'm, got the $500 million going to figure out how we can get this money. So that makes all the sense in the world. But we, that's not taught in our community.
1: It's not. Because yep. we're taught that you work for eight hours and you get ten dollars an hour. Yep, it could be a hundred dollars an hour. Yeah. But the thing is, you you have to be there. You got to be there. How can you
0: make that if you
1: at home sleep? And so, when I started to learn again these different financial concepts, I took it. I made it my business because usually you get paid based upon the yep. business you mind. All right. Yep. Um, to learn everything I could about credit, uh, to learn everything about debt. Structured debt, that is, Absolutely. because we right. are only taught unstructured debt, mm-hmm. buying stuff we really can't afford. And so, once I saw the positive impact, I was able to get my first vehicle without a, a down payment. It blew my mind. I was able to purchase a house. Coming from Milwaukee, I never, th- I, I didn't even think it was possible for me to be a homeowner mm-hmm. because that's not something I was taught. Right. You know, growing up, we, we think we're rent. Yeah, forever. And then we're told, "Oh, uh, I don't want to own a home. I gotta, you know what I'm saying? Like we've mm-hmm. been conditioned to stay poor, mm-hmm. and we 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 come up with the our family come up with these cute sayings. And so once I started to see the positive impact it did for me, I was like, man, I, I want to share this. Mm-hmm. And not from a business standpoint, I just want to tell people, like, yo, Chad, did you, what, what's up with your credit? Do you know? Mm-hmm. That? But then I started to see how people reacted. Why are you asking me about my credit? Mm-hmm. Man, that ain't none of your business. Right. <laughs> like, people get, get offended. offended. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? That's a fact. And so I was like, I have to figure out a way how I could share this. And, and it really almost became a purpose of mine. Mm-hmm. And so it, it just kind of happened by default. That's,
0: that's, that's powerful, man. And I think when we actually find what our purpose is in life, we go hard at it. And we go so it's like uh, I can use the church analogy. When somebody has done things in life and then they actually find God. And they want everybody to find God like they found God. But right. it's not, it's impossible because we all have different uh, areas in life that we struggle with. Absolutely. So if I wasn't a drug addict and then that person found God and got clean, I may not have the yeah. same enthusiasm as they because all I did was cuss. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So my enthusiasm may not be as 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 big as theirs had had been because I didn't go through as much as they went through. Definitely. So I think when we remove the stigma of uh, ego, the, the ego of our credit, good good or bad, I think us as a society will literally start to latch on. It's, pop- it's getting popular now, and it's getting popular because of social media. You got all of these different people doing credit this and credit that. But they're teaching one side of it. They're not teaching you how to leverage it. They're just teaching you how to clean your credit up, to go do something else, right. to mess it up, then to go get yeah. it back fixed yeah. again, as opposed to taking it that that one time and using it as basically your tool to Definitely. life. No. And, I, and I know that's what you do. So that's why I had you come, because I wanted you to explain how you take that tool of your credit. Because I, I, I remember you used to always say this to me before you wrote the book, Credit is King. right? And you wrote that book, but you said it way before you wrote the book. <laughs> yeah.
1: And what what does Credit is King mean? So, of course, shameless plug. Man, come on, plug that thing, <laughs> man. Know? Plug that thing. So, a little bit about this book. I remember in 2015, uh, a friend of mine who has a publishing company who actually was the publisher of this book, uh, Jackson Publishing, he said, Will, you should write a book. And I was like, well, what am what I going to write about? He was like, man, just write about what you know. And I was like. I could talk about this credit thing. He was like, do it. And I was like, uh, I don't know, because I don't want it to be just like a how-to. Right. Because I think when it, like, when, when it comes to how-to, I, I just think that, I don't know, I'm, I was just like kind of standoffish about that. But he, I was like, you know what, I'm going to write it from my perspective, but I want to do it kind of more like a manual where I'm actually teaching people in the book. But not, not only that, I want them, them to learn different, Uh, terminologies on finance, I want them to understand how to deal with collection agencies, how to build their child's credit and so I wrote the book and I literally had no expectation and I can remember I was actually still working my nine-to-five at the time I would be up uh, after work and I was typing this book and it actually took me about six months and when I released the book or before I released the book I didn't even have a name and I said you know what I'm gonna call it credit is king and I said that because credit really is better than cash and a lot of people will fight me on that. And I'll say, okay, let's say you got 200,000 in a bank, all right, and I have 200,000 in credit. You go spend that 200K on whatever, you're out of 200,000. Where are you gonna get another 200,000 from? Right. But me, I can go to another bank, get another 200,000 in credit. And so I was like, man, credit is king because it that's really like the loophole between the gap of the wealthy and the unwealthy because they overstood how to leverage a game called credit. And so when you think about almost every successful entrepreneur and names who we are all familiar with, they use what? Other people's money. And so that's where really the whole reference of credit is king and and I do own the trademark, so if anybody try to use it, get we, you a check. My attorneys—they watching. <laughs> right. They definitely watching. But right. but so yeah, so I really was just trying to show people like yo, like this this thing called credit. It could really save your life. It changed my life. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't leverage my credit to go out there to try to get fly. I used it to to create a a, a, a lifestyle. But the lifestyle was created by what I leveraged my credit for. Them. And I was starting businesses, investing in real estate and different things like that, and so that's really where the whole turn came from. Now people sitting out here today want to know
0: how do you start getting your credit together so let's 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 start let's dig it let's dig into the the toolbox of yours and let's start giving them information on how to get their credit together.
1: The first thing you starts is you got to get out of denial. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are in denial, whether it's because they're scared, they're nervous or whatever the case may be. Because we have to overcome that stigma of financial trauma. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I've been to people's houses and they parents will like they'll come to me or my team and be like, yo, we want to get our credit fixed. Let me go ask my my husband or my wife. What you wanna get your credit fixed for? So it's like we 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 have normalized staying in broken situations financially. And that is because there, there's not enough education or we only know one side of credit, and that's the the consumer side. Right. And so – or people will be like, oh, well, I don't want to be in debt and this and that. But everything around you is in debt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And right. so the first thing is really getting out of denial. And so now – Once we've overcome that, now we have to figure out what the issue is, why your credit is the way it is. And I I always tell people that because there's a lot of people selling fluff Mm. about how to how to put yourself in a better position from a credit standpoint. Right. So like one of the strategies that is not a good strategy is people say, oh, go get some trade lines. First of all, people are using terminologies that really, like a trade line is really anything that's reporting in your credit report. The right. correct terminology is what's called an authorized user. Right. And so I'm going to give people the good and the bad because yep. I want you, you no. got to know both sides of the coin. Right. And so some the average person who has bad credit, the first thing they'll do is they'll go ask somebody to add them on as an authorized user. And, and essentially what an authorized user is, is let's say I, you have a credit card for $10,000. dollars hmm and on, it has great payment history. You have no balance on there. You can pick up the phone, call your bank, and put me on as an authorized user. Mm-hmm. You don't have to give me the card unless you want to because I know right. you got some healthy limits, Chat. <laughs> so you can add me on as an authorized user. Now right. your credit history will report on, on your... my credit report. Right. Now here's the, the downside to that if that is not what is negatively impacting my credit, you adding me on isn't going to help me. Yeah, right. Especially if I have $20,000 in bad credit card debt already or I have a repossession. Mm-hmm. And so people are selling people on things because it plays off of their fears of of, of a quick fix. Mm-hmm. And that's what's hurting the communities and why sometimes people in the credit space get a bad name because it's an easy industry to take advantage of people. Right. It's a quick money grab for the for a lot of people in this space Mm -hmm. and so knowing what's impacting the credit then once we know that i tell people you got to understand what are the five components of what makes up a credit score 35 percent is payment history Mm -hmm. meaning do you make your payments on time that's probably most people's issue when it comes to their credit they don't have bad credit they just don't pay their bills on time or they got a late payment or some type of mishap because one late payment can drop your score 150 points or up to right 30% of your score is credit card utilization mm-hmm. meaning how much do you have in credit card limits and then what is the balance anything over 30% of the total limit your score drops so if you got a if you have $10,000 of credit card limits if you spend over 3 grand your score drops right you'd be surprised how many people don't have bad credit they just need to pay their credit cards down And then the flip side of that, you'll have people who don't believe in having credit cards because it's debt. If you don't have credit cards, you miss out on what makes up 30% of your score. So your score can only get to a certain certain point because you're missing what makes up 30% of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another thing or another side of that, let's say all you ever had was an auto loan. Okay, You're making your payments on your auto loan. You've had it three years. You finally paid it off. Now your score just dropped. Because the only component of what made your score was payment, was payment history, history yep. and you just essentially just closed the you close yeah. that account. So right. you yeah. have to know the both all the different sides, and so that's why I try to teach people about credit and not just fix their credit. I don't even like being called a credit repair guy, exactly, <laughs> because I, I'm, I'm really educa- an it, educator. It's deeper than yeah. that. I'm an yes. educator. Like I'm really trying to educate you. And that's why 60% of people who usually get their credit fixed end up back in the same situation. Mm-hmm. But that's the hustle of the industry. I need you to keep coming back, Chad. Right. Because this credit, the bad credit repair person is a one-trick pony. You're so right. no, I don't want you to know everything. Go out there and get, rack them credit card points up. Go buy a car you can't afford because I know you're going to come back. Mm-hmm. But if I educate you... You're not coming back for me to repair your credit, but you may come back so I can help you uh, grow in life. And that's, you know, by leveraging your credit to grow your business or invest in assets or whatever the case may be. So uh, the next thing is knowing how to deal with collection accounts. Some people who have uh, items that they haven't paid and not knowing what to do. Here's something that most people don't know. You shouldn't pay your collection accounts without knowing what to do. And if the debt has been sold to a third party collection agency, technically they don't own that debt. So you don't owe them no money. Right. But you just have to know the laws and what to use to be able to fight them. And and when you dispute it, if they can't prove the debt down to the penny, sending the right type of documentation to forcing them to say, hey, show me proof that I owe this debt to you. And if they can't, they have to delete it off your credit report. Now it doesn't mean you don't owe the money. It just means from a credit standpoint, it doesn't impact you negatively. So that's why I tell people, don't pay a collection account. Another thing, bankruptcies. You know, people are scared of that that that, that B word. Yeah, <laughs> the bankruptcies. That's a fact. But here's the thing that I started to learn, Chad. Bankruptcy is really just a strategy or a concept that wealthy people use to protect their assets. All the time. But unfortunately, our communities or the poor communities have been convinced to use bankruptcy as a get-out-of-debt-free card. Mm. I've seen people file bankruptcy for a late payment. That's crazy. But they do it because the attorney hustled them because they need you as a client. Right. They want that $1,500, $2,500 to
0: to do it for you. They
1: want it. And, 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 And so a lot of organizations have monetized the trauma of our communities, and that's why this is why I continue to educate people. No, you file bankruptcy if your wages are being garnished mm-hmm. because your 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 income is your asset at the time, mm-hmm. and so we have to start learning. You know what is credit repair? How to effectively do it? You know I have sample letters in my book, Credit Is King, which you can't get on Amazon, by the way. <laughs> and so, um, so you have to learn both sides, and then once you really start to see the power of having great credit, like. I tell people your credit score determines the school zone your kids go to school in. That's a fact. Because if you can't, uh, you can't pass a credit check to live in a more affluent neighborhood. Yep, you gotta. You gotta live right. where where they will accept you. Right. Your insurance rates. Yep. And we know how insurance rates in Milwaukee are. Crazy. Yep. Crazy. Yep. But it could potentially also be contributed to the your credit being in a bad position. You know, I remember there were. Parents who couldn't rent instruments for their children who were in the band because their credit score was bad. And so, and then here's the flip side, because we always think, oh, well, I got cash. I don't need credit. I don't care how much money you have. There's some banks that won't do business with you without checking your credit. And so once you start to notice those things and, and know that no matter where your credit is at, how bad it is, how damaged it is. It can always be repaired. It may take time. It may take two years, like it took me two and a half years. But that's just the process you have to be willing to go through. Mm-hmm. And stop trying to get these quick fixes and these little credit hacks and these little stuff they say on TikTok and all of these things because all that stuff is temporary. No, you gotta you gotta be willing to go through the right process to make sure that that foundation is properly laid. Now, once you have your
0: PG personal personal guarantee, your personal credit right, how can you then take that? If you're a small business, because I know we got a lot of business owners in here. If you're a small business, how can you take your personal credit or your personal guarantee, as they like to call it,
1: and use that as leverage to go help finance your business? So this is probably one of my favorite parts, because, you know, over the past five, six years, I've helped over 5,000 small and medium-sized businesses get hundreds of millions of dollars of funding and capital. And, again, going back to that book of Robert Kiyosaki where he talked about uh, leveraging other people's money. And I remember he said he bought his first investment property with a credit card. Yeah, Blew my mind, Chad. And I was like, man, I gotta figure out that concept and that strategy. And they said that if you wanna hide something, you put it where? In a book. In a book. So I went to go find every book I could mm-hmm. so I can extract that information. Right. And so when I started to learn that there are um, uh, strategies and concepts that we have not been privileged to, because most small businesses, when they start a business, the first thing they run out there to do is try to get a business loan. Mm-hmm. And here's why m- most businesses will never get a business loan as a startup. Statistically, nine out of ten businesses fail. Yeah, right. And so the bank isn't willing to take a gamble on. They
0: don't Whatever. know what we do. Yeah, they don't we, know. Yeah.
1: Obviously, we obviously nine times out of ten we have no business experience. We don't have a business plan. We just have an ideal and some passion. You know. And then if you don't get the money, that passion leaves very quickly. Right. <laughs> Immediately. Immediately. <laughs> <You know? Yes. laughs> Immediately. And so, but then, but what I started to learn is that a lot of uh, 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 entrepreneurs started using what's called creative financing by leveraging secured debt. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you no, know, you don't go into the bank and ask for a business loan. You can build your business using lines of credit. And when I, when I started to learn that, it, it blew my mind. And so I remember I went out there, at the time my credit was fixed, this was around 2013, 2014, and I had got about $47,000 in credit cards. And I'm like, man, okay, how do I use this? And I said, "Oh wow, I could use this to pay for my LLC. I could use this to pay for my business license. I could use this to pay for all my, my business co- all of my startup costs. Mm-hmm. Because mo- the average business you could start for less than five thousand right. dollars. And then when I started to learn about the economics of how money works, see, this is why most people uh, uh, lack ambition or their or or the passion about trying to start a business. Man, where I'm gonna come up with five thousand or ten thousand dollars from? Right." Because 75% of black and minority families don't even have over $500 in savings. Right. So how can you say, okay, go start this business, and you don't have $5,000? And so when I started to learn how uh, I can leverage revolving credit, i.e. credit cards, business credit cards, personal credit cards, and then let's say I get approved for 10, dollars 30, dollars $30,000, 40000 and then my startup cost is $5,000. I'm not having to pay back the full 5000 Right. I only got to pay back the debt servicing on the five grand, which it may only cost me $75 a month. Right. So now I'm not focused on breaking my back trying to make 5000 I only got to focus on serving the debt on $75. Right. And when I started to learn those little bitty concepts about economics, then you start to learn that... 98% of the top Fortune 500 companies operate on debt. All, all, nearly all of them. Bro. Except Apple. Apple, yeah, because yeah, they, they got cash. Them. They yeah, got yeah. cash, you know.
0: yeah. Microsoft. <laughs> Microsoft you know, a couple of Majority. Yeah. You're right.
1: So once I started to learn that, I'm like, dang. So I can go out there and get lines of credit and run my business? It's over and so I really started to learn that but then you have to have a level of discipline. Yes. Because you take somebody who's undisciplined and you give them a line of credit for 50,000, right. it can, it, can it can get, get pretty get, bad. It can get fast too. And so but yeah. that's where my mentor that's where my my mentors who taught me about, you know, accountability, yeah. who taught me to be disciplined, who taught me, you know, all of those things and that's why you also have to learn just about uh, about money because, you know, it's something called debt servicing that most people aren't familiar with. You have to, if you go out and get this credit, you have to have something that's going to pay the debt on it. Right. And the reason people are scared of debt because we go and get into consumer debt and our income can't support it. Mm-hmm. And so now there's a, a, a misconception of like, oh, no, I don't want to do that credit thing because I don't No, Debt is what you use, mm-hmm. but you just have to find a vehicle that's going to pay it. And so this is what I tell people, Chad. When it comes to growing your business... You wanna have banking relationships. That's why we have Bimo Harris here because imagine being a brand new business. Your LLC paperwork ink is just freshly dry and you can walk into the bank, you have a good credit score, and they give you a business credit card for twenty five thousand. What could your business do with, with the startup costs? Right. I can maybe hire a VA. Uh, I can, you know, pay for my business license. I can pay for a small marketing and branding campaign. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that's going to continue to keep my business thriving and starting and help and getting in front of customers. And so just learning those different strategies and concepts, man, that's how I've been able to grow my business, by really just teaching people everything that I I, I went out there and failed my way to figuring it out.
0: And that's the key, man. It's It's not just... Knowing the information is sharing the information correct, and a lot of times we don't we have information and we have knowledge on whatever particular topic, but we don't like to share it because we we feel like if I give it to you you're going to do it better than me when realistically, when you share that information, they're never going to do it just like you right and that's what we got to learn in our community if I know how to do something, teach you and how, teaching you how to do something does not take away from me from my financial Uh, gain of that no not at all and um i think it's extremely important that we talk about financial discipline so once we're able to get the credit whether it's personal or business how do we what what is the discipline and
1: how do we use it so uh, so whenever i'm sitting down with people the first thing i'm always asking is what is your end goal and you'd be surprised. There's a lot of people want to get credit just to say, oh, I got a credit card. I got... And I'm like, I choose not to even work with people who are like that. I want to work with people who legitimately want to t- figure out the, how to m- improve their life, mm-hmm. improve their family's lives, improve you know, the, 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 the financial di- dynamic structure of their life. Mm-hmm. And so once I find out what their end goal is, then I help them put together a plan of of being able to change that. And the first thing I'm always mentally preparing them for, Chad, is letting them know, this is gonna be hard. Yeah. But the hard part is because you're gonna have to unlearn everything that you've learned up until that point. Because mm-hmm. some of the things that I'm gonna uh, uh, possibly share with you is gonna go against everything that you've been taught up to this point. Mm-hmm. Because of the reference points we've gotten in our lives. Typically, who were people who taught us about money growing up? Our parents. Which a lot of times, they it didn't happened. have it. Right. So we are we have been operating in a place of of doing things that didn't work for our parents, their parents and the many generations prior to. Right. And that's because there was no incentive of 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 them learning that stuff because they 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 didn't want our parents to know this stuff. They didn't want our grandparents because if they did, we wouldn't be abandoning our neighborhoods right now we right. would be the owners of, of our neighborhoods. Right. And so uh, once I find out what it is, what their end goal is, then we put together a plan to actually help them to lay the foundation. Okay, so your, your personal credit has to be intact. And I always say that because there's a lot of credit hacks on the internet where they're saying, hey, let me help you get business credit and you can have bad credit. That does not exist. <laughs> the credit they're helping you get is like store credit. Right. It, it, it has zero value. Right. Uh, a gas station, uh, station yeah, car. Yeah, gas. Vehicle. Yeah, no. Like, no. You can't buy a house with gas station You car. cannot. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I have to help them unlearn those things. But here's why I think people buy into that stuff because it's easy. Yep. And when you're operating in a place of desperation economically, you only want to do what's easy. That's a fact. Because if I say, okay, Chad, this is gonna take two years. Oh no, let me just go do these mm-hmm. things that. Because anytime people think the needle is moving. It feels like momentum, but it's right. not. And so I have, that's why I say I have to help them to unlearn all of the stuff that wasn't working for them. Right. And so we have good credit. Now we're going to go and set up a business entity. See, banks are willing to always leverage uh, 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 you know, revolving debt to businesses. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the only way a bank can stay in business is by what? Them lending money. Lending, right. But, again, the loophole, or I always say the strategy... Because the, when it comes to uh, knowing how unsecured revolving debt works, they lend that based upon several you know data points like household income, projected mm-hmm. income, and different things like that versus the reason you don't get a business loan, one, you don't have financials, you haven't filed taxes, like there's a multitude of things. And so once now we help them get that, the first thing I'm looking to tell them is like now we have to put together a plan on using this. And typically- I want them to be able to either park it into a business that's already making money Mm -hmm. or we're going to use it to grow your business. But our focus isn't looking like a business owner. Mm -hmm. Our focus is getting a client (laughs) because the only way you can get a client is by getting in front of people. So, yeah, we're going to put together a marketing campaign. We're going to put together some branding. We're going to not lifestyle branding, but some real real stuff that's going to draw a customer. We may have to restructure your business. Does your business suck? Mm-hmm. Some people, sometimes you got a business model that doesn't work for somebody to want to come and do business with you. Right. And so there's so many different things. It's bigger than just getting the credit. You know, I like real estate because I think that real estate is one of the easiest entry points of creating long-term wealth. You know, I can take this credit and invest in something that's going to pay me forever. Right. You know, and here in Milwaukee, I tell people all the time, Chad, this is probably one of the best markets in the country mm-hmm. because there's very few places where you can invest 20, 30,000 into a house and make $1,000 a month. Right. And so, can you imagine using your credit to invest in some property that's going to always pay the debt? And Every so, time, yeah. forever. Yeah. But then, after the debt is paid off, you still own the house that's still paying you. So it's just so many different concepts and strategies that I like to teach people when it comes to l- learning how debt works and that's why I call it structured debt
0: structured debt that's that's amazing man I was a uh, uh, DJ envy was talking about um uh, people comment on how many vehicles and things that he has but he he explained in detail that he doesn't just buy all these cars that he has what he does is he creates an asset to, pay, to for. pay for it. And people think a lot of times when you see people like, I, I just use Envy because I I remember having a conversation with him. He, right. he was specifically talking about that. So that should be whatever your lifestyle is a month. I think the best way to do it is create an asset to fund that, that lifestyle. Absolutely. And, and speaking on uh, real estate, that's a fast, I don't want to say fast, that's a bad term. That's a, uh, uh, more traditional way to do so. So trying to get into the real estate game using leveraging your credit or All leveraging right. the strategic debt that you said how do we how do, how do our viewers and our, our guests start that process?
1: Yeah, so before I jump into that so a couple of weeks ago I actually went to the Mercedes dealership and uh you know I was looking at some other cars and I buy I buy cars and I make them assets. Oh yeah. And then my my real estate pays for the car. Will Roundtree doesn't even own the cars. Mm. My companies own them. And then I rent my cars out, so the the rental income pays for the cars. Mm. And so I I like that model because when I'm talking – so anytime I'm leveraging debt, it's because it's always going to make me money. Mm -hmm. And so from the real estate standpoint, this is how simple getting into real estate is. And I, I, I think people overthink it. Mm-hmm. And I think they overthink it because the numbers are large and it's really not as, 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 as complex as people think it is. Now there's some other like nuanced strategies that, that can help people to be a more proficient investor, which is what I teach people. But here's the basic concept. So you take your good credit, you take your company, your LLC, you go to BMO Harris and you get a line of credit. Let's say they give you a line of credit for $50,000. All right, boom. Now, I can use a portion of my credit, and let's say I find a property out here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that's $100,000. That's about the going rate on Mm -hmm. average now for an investment property. Now, no matter what zip code that property is in, let's take 53206, Mm -hmm. the zip code that a lot of people were scared to invest in. I was buying properties in 53206 for $2,500, Chad, more than what people was getting on their tax refunds. I was begging people, look, let's buy these houses in 53206. No, the neighborhood's bad. This, that, and the third. They they now have Starbucks coming up in 53206. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so, but I saw the foresight because here's one of the things I often tell people: How often will humans need to live in homes? Always. Forever. Mm-hmm. So why will we not invest in the one thing that people have to do? Mm-hmm. Live somewhere. I don't care what neighborhood it's in. Mm-hmm. And I was taking my team up and down, like we was on 5th and Locust, and I bought a house over in, off 5th and Locust for, like, less than $3,000. That's now worth about 115000 because I'm like, look, people are going to always need somewhere to live. No matter what the house look like, mm-hmm. you just have to make it in a condition to make people yeah, want your to house. Live. Yeah, to live there, right. And so imagine finding a property that's 100000 for an investment property, you only gotta put down 20%. Mm-hmm. So I gotta come up with 20,000. I got the 20,000 from my 50. bank. Yeah, I you just got, got 50. 50. Yeah. And so the debt servicing on that 20,000 may cost me, let's say, uh, $300. All You know. Mm-hmm. All right, so now I got that debt servicing, $300. Now the mortgage on the property, because the bank is gonna finance the other 80%, 80, yeah. that yeah. $80,000 per- uh, amortized over 30 years. Let's say that's going to be another three, four hundred dollars right. the taxes and insurance, five hundred. Five hundred, right? Okay. Yeah. So I got the debt from the mortgage is five hundred. The debt from the the line of credit is three hundred. So eight hundred so dollars. Mm-hmm. I just have to find a property that fits that metric that's going to pay me at least a thousand to twelve hundred a month. Right. And we know no matter what zip code you're going to pay at least. $1,000. Yep. So, so I've pre-calculated my numbers in 53206. This is for four bedroom. I'm getting 12 to 15. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it meets my metric of servicing the debt. Plus, I still got some money left over. Mm-hmm. And so but here's another reason why I think people are scared of real estate. They're trying to get rich off on property. Right. People have a misconception thinking real estate is quick money. And so we have to learn that real estate is your retirement plan. Real estate, true wealth is built slowly, mm-hmm. but everybody is so busy trying to look wealthy, but not doing the things to actually get wealthy. Right. So they go get one property, barely making any money. They don't upgrade their car. They buying different clothes because they want people to they want they want people to know. Oh, I'm a real estate investor. No, that's not what real estate investing looks like. Because right. if your bank account is still negative, you you like you you put yourself in a bad position. Right. And so, it's really that simple. I find a property that's the mortgage with the debt servicing is $900, and then just make sure that the rent is giving me at least $1,200. Mm-hmm. And I do that enough. Like, I broke down a plan. If You take the average person who goes to college, okay? Uh, they said the average person with a master's degree, average lifetime earnings is about one about $2.1 million dollars. Leverage, laver, uh, lifetime. Average lifetime earnings. Yep. That means how much they made their entire career with a master's degree. Right. Okay? <clears throat> if you think about how much they've paid in student loan debt, it's mm-hmm. typically maybe about two hundred grand for a master's degree, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more. If a person went and got and leveraged 200000 from the bank and invested it in real estate, they would probably have over a $2 million real estate portfolio. Yeah. Which but will but pay that never stop. And it never, never stops. stops. And it pays them forever. Right. So I tell people, if you focused on buying one property a year, one property a year, over the course of 10 years, you will have a million-dollar real estate portfolio. Mm-hmm. And it didn't cost you anything out of your pocket because you're leveraging the bank's money. The bank, The tenants are servicing the debt. And then... As your properties are being paid, you're forcing appreciation because you're paying the mortgage down. Oh, right. And then guess what you can do? And this, and this is a little bit more uh, strategic mm-hmm. strategy. Now, if I do need money, I can go and refinance my properties and pull out all that equity tax free. So let's say if I do have a $2 million real estate portfolio after 10 years, and this is what the wealthy do. They go and now borrow pro- money from their property. So if I can get up to 80% of that $2 million real estate portfolio, I can borrow $1.6 million tax-free. Mm-hmm. And won't, now you can go buy a complex. And now I can go buy a complex. Because yeah. that $1.6 million, it mm-hmm. may cost me, let's say, $12,000 to service that debt. Yep. I'm making more than that from the rental income. Income. Yep. So it's never cost me anything. But your only original investment is fixing your credit. You may have to hire some mentorship and get a coach. And 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 you got to be willing to go out there and actually execute on the information. And that's key,
0: man. I think that's the that's the that's the key point is execution. Yeah, execution. Ideas are great, but they're just ideas without execution. Definitely. This is your boy Chad C. No Roper, the creator and host of Amplifier Community Connection. Amplifier is a free artist development program powered by Radio Milwaukee. Each episode is filmed and recorded in front of a live studio audience at Radio Milwaukee Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Stay connected with Amplifier by registering for our free events or watch us live on Facebook at M-M-K-E. You can also follow us on Instagram at M-M-K-E as well. Thank you for listening and remember, dreams never expire.